While you're listening to Parked Up, Racetools is getting ready for the Phillip Island Island Classic Historic Round. We have so much fuel going down with staff and bowsers to attend this classic historic event. See you down there at the racetrack and keep an eye out for the Elf Race 102. Two of the very best operators marked up in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Well, hello, this is the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels. My name's Grant Rowley. Joined by Tony D'Alberto, episode 101, Tony D. We went all that way and we didn't get to host uh, episode 100 because we had this uh, intruder, Mark Fogarty, come through and and start this uh, new Parked Up Plus. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Tony D, I'm sure you've listened to it. I actually have. I uh, I made sure that I tuned in and I was very, very impressed. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, as our listeners know that, you know, we like to sit on the fence and we're just not creating quite enough controversy uh, and interest in our pod. So we thought, well, we can't do it. So we have to get somebody else that's willing to, you know, maybe not sit in the fence and, you know, maybe uh, be a bit more ballsy. And Fogues is the man. He is the man. And he is so tuned in and connected. He knows what's going on. He's got the access to, uh, you know, as you listened on Parked Up Plus, guys like Ryan Walkinshaw, um, to ask them a hard, the hard questions, not all the hard questions, but some, um, and he's got the respect in the paddock to to get you know uh, an honest answer as well. So I liked it. I liked your little news section as well. Um, but uh, it sort of left me thinking. Let me let left me thinking, Grant. What are we going to talk about? Oh, look, we've got heaps to talk about, and uh, we've got a little bit of extra Fogues uh, interview stuff that we can that we can churn through. Of course, he spoke to a number of the heavy hitters on the ground at City Motorsport Park, including the likes of Craig Baird. Driving Standards Observer. Uh, he also spoke, spoke oh, advisor. Sorry, he also spoke to Ryan Walkinshaw and a bunch of others. And we've got some extended chat with those guys to to go through, uh, including Beto and Ryan Walkinshaw. So those will come up a little bit later on. In the tradition of our normal podcast, though, you and I just like to sit here and uh, chew I don't the know fat. what we're chew fat or dribble stuff. <laughs> um, you actually got to drive a Shell V Power Mustang on Monday mm. in a ride day up at Sydney Motorsport Park, and the conditions were less than ideal on the race weekend, as everyone would have seen on TV. The TV camera switched off on Monday, went home, but apparently, and I'm sure you're about to tell us, <laughs> they were pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched all the racing on the weekend. It was great viewing, especially on my new 75 inch TV. That was spectacular. Right. Um, and and we ne- we do need to talk about uh, the racing and, you know, and what went off um, some great results for some people, others, not so much. Um, so we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, got to have a drive uh, at the ride day on Monday in the um, Shell V power Mustang. So I flew up there just for the day, met Alex at the airport, and went out to the track and it was raining so heavy. Yep. There's literally uh, pools of water, the streams, the car was aquaplaning. They had to stop the the running for 
um, a good sort of half an hour during uh, almost near lunchtime there because the rain was just so heavy. There was cars spinning and uh, going off circuit, not because they were being silly, but just because the the track condition was so unpredictable where you'd hit a stream of water one lap and it'd be okay. And the next lap would be, there'd be a bit more volume to it. And suddenly you'd lose control of the car and end up um, in the, in the grass or in the gravel and you just couldn't get back out of it. So not that I went off. I just oh, tootled I around say. like Miss Daisy. I just tootled <laughs> around, you know, gave, gave my uh, passengers a, a little bit of a thrill, um, but kept on the black stuff. But there was honestly, every time I went out, well, maybe not every time. There was many times when I went out and I would point um, out the window for the passenger to look at a car just stuck in the grass or trying <laughs> to do a burnout, trying to get out of the grass, um, get back, get themselves back on the track. So there's quite a few red flags. And like I said, they stopped this, the running for a little bit there just because of the conditions. And yeah, I, I, doing a ride day where there's no pressure, no one's trying to pass you or anything like that is one thing. Thinking about those guys and how they had to cope with 300 Ks of those variable conditions, um, it would have been really, really tricky mentally, not so much physically. Like in, in those conditions, things aren't happening as quick and you don't have any of the force or as many forces on the body. It's not as hot, but just the concentration to try and work out how much grip there is available um, would have been really taxing on those guys. So credit to all those boys that put on some really top-notch racing. Um, especially on Sunday. Yeah, well, some uh, some pretty good racing. The sun- Saturday race in the dry, the big 300K long race was uh, was tedious at times, I guess you might say. You'd be pretty fair. But, uh, you know, throw in a, a, a bit of water, a lot of water, particularly at the end, a few different strategy plays from various different people as well. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, that was real good viewing I and deserved we, we, win for Chaz as well. Yeah, for sure. But we we spoke about it um, in a in a previous pod about how much different a three hundred k race around there was compared to the two hundred and fifty k, and we saw that in the opening race where some elected to do a two stop strategy, um, and and Van Gisbergen decided to do a three stopper and come home like an absolute steam train at the end. So clearly that was the better strategy, um, but it was close. It was pretty tight. You know, if things had have been slightly different or a safety car or whatever, Shane might not have been able to win that race either. So um, I don't know if it was genius um, strategizing or if it was just a bit of luck as well, but um, they certainly opened their account well. Not so much on Sunday though. So um, yeah, we, we can get to that soon. Well, cool. Uh, let's just get into it now. There was... Oh, okay. Uh, some amazing. Well, we don't have to do news anymore, Tony. Yeah, true. News I'm just done. Getting used to this new for, this format. Jeez, if you sorry. need to, if if you want the news, just uh, roll the clock back a couple of days. You'll find us uh, on our parked up channels. It's uh, it's called Parked Up Plus. It's episode 100, and of course, it's with Mark Fogarty, the great Mark Fogarty, award winning Mark Fogarty, and. Uh, don't let me forget, before we get it through this episode, I need to talk to you about some of the media awards that were handed out over the oh, weekend. I know We have to talk about this. I know Parked Up did not win Best Podcast. How? It's, an, it's, it's, it's a, bullshit. It's atrocious. It's atrocious. But no stress. Maybe maybe 2022, right? Maybe. Maybe. All right, let, let, let's get into the racing on the weekend. Okay, so look, now uh, we're a few days past and everyone's sort of seen 
how things went and there's you know been a little bit of washout with with some of the things a few people saying various bits and pieces no worries what do you um the winners and losers here's an easy little subject and the uh, the 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 big winner of course chas mostert um aided by the wet weather not the fastest car in the dry super even conditions but when it but when it came to uh came to pass when it came to the crunch uh he he stepped up and showed why he you know if things are going right he will be a contender look i think we already knew that though i think we already knew that you know Chaz is one of the best operators in the business um have they made gains from last year I'm not too sure, to be honest. Um, last year at Sydney Motorsport Park, they were very quick in those wet conditions as well. Um, and I think, you know, maybe part of that's the, the car and, the, and their setup philosophy. But is it part of it just Chaz, you know, just being an amazing driver? Who knows? Um, but, they, you know, obviously they were still competitive like that. Yeah, I think they were probably a bit more competitive in the dry, but we didn't really see... I don't think a form guide in the dry um, because of the variable conditions changing all the time. Like in most of the, the quality sessions, you had to be on the right tire at the right time um, to try and get themselves up the front in, in that session. We saw in qualifying on the Sunday, you know, the track started wet and then it went to dry halfway through and you sort of had to take a bit of a punt when you're going to get onto the soft, onto the, um, the slick tire. And depending on when you got the checkered flag was sort of, uh, how you ended up in the session. So if you were the first driver to get the checkered flag and everyone else got through and did an extra lap and an extra minute and a half on the track of you know, drying surface, they would generally jump that driver. So there was a little bit to play out there. But um, yeah, Chaz, no doubt. It's great, great opening account. They've come away um, leading the championship, you know, and they're probably going to go to tracks that are a lot, they're going to be a lot stronger at. Nick Perkat in the same car had a bit of a shocker of a weekend, not really pace-wise, but just circumstances. He found himself uh, with a couple of offs and it did, the weekend just didn't go to plan for him. I think he'd be pretty disappointed in the results, probably yeah. not um, speed-wise. Still um, sixth in that first race, so uh, yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, but probably just not what he'd hoped for. I think, you know, going back to Walkinshaw, um, they're – a team that everyone wants to be with. It's sort of a bit of a fairy tale for him. He would have liked to have come out and you know, really had some gr- strong races and strong results. So he'll be looking for a little bit more. So, yeah, I think they've, they've come out well. Uh, Red Bull, though, for me, uh, Brock Feeney was an absolute standout. Absolutely uh, drove beyond his years, I reckon. I, I really rated how he... Um, handled the weekend with all the variable conditions, as I've spoken about. Very, very tough to try and um, have your opening account um, as a main series driver, as a full-time main series driver. Um, it wasn't straightforward, and he just handled it like an absolute pro. You know, two top ten qualifying sessions. Uh, yeah, sessions. He uh, was right at the front of the field for most of the races. He like literally battled at the front of the field, which I thought yep. was awesome. So yeah, that that for, for me, he was the man of the match. Even though he didn't win a race, but just for the experience that he's got and the pressure and everything of his first full time race with Red Bull, I thought he handled it really, really well, and probably better than most expected. 
Yeah, cool. And uh, we head to Simmons Plains for the second round in a couple of weeks' time. It's been a happy hunting ground down there for Triple Eight over the years. Very few and far between have they been off podiums or or um, or not near the top end of the results. So um, mm. that will be a, a interesting to see how he goes. And I guess um, he's going to figure. He's going to be in the mix. He'll. Where, where do you think Chad? Where do, where do you think uh, uh, Brock will end up? the the championship at the at the end of the year like i saw a lot of preseason pundits putting in their you know 10th or just outside the 10 or a mm. little bit um further inside but you know around about that 10th position do you think that's where he'll be or do you reckon there's you know even a little bit more in him i think there's a little bit more in him i really do i think 10th would be he'd be disappointed with that now um considering how he's rolled out um you know he's quick he looked comfortable out there and, you know, battling with some of the, the big names in the category. He wasn't scared to hold his ground. Um, he had a really good battle there with Will Davison and it wasn't dirty or anything like that. It was, it was solid, strong racing. Um, so yeah, I think top 10 is probably, uh, probably at worst, you know, like I think he will, he will, he will do better than that. He will definitely get podiums this year, I reckon. Um, after seeing what he did on the weekend, I think his confidence will just grow. And there's going to be tracks that suit their cars more than others. You know, SMP is a strong track for them, but I think, like you said, somewhere like Simmons Plains has been really strong for Triple yep. Eight. So if he can qualify the car well, um, he, he's in a real, really good position for top five or something like that. And he, he'll just keep progressing. Okay, cool. So we've talked about a couple of winners. There's probably one more in there. Anton De Pasquale, the guy who mm. you uh, were co-driver with at the Bathurst 1000 last year. Well, you were with him last year. I don't know what oh. you're doing this year. You, you, you can tell us what you're doing this year. But I won't no, ask I you know. that because I know <laughs> you won't answer. But look, second in the championship. Uh, yep. He's not actually that far away from Chaz in terms of points. He did have did bring the car back after the race with a little bit more damage than what it did when it crossed the finish line. Mm. But uh, actually, yeah, well, you were up there with the team over the uh, mm. like on the Monday. <laughs> what was the feedback like about after oh, after that? Well, uh, after the weekend, they were pretty happy to be honest. You know, like you said, they come away with a couple of uh, podiums. He's second in the championship. They're leading the team's championship so it's a pretty strong opening account again for for anton and will um he did a great job as well they were happy to survive the conditions i, I, I know what you're getting at he didn't survive the the last lap after the yeah, after the checkered flag expression so. session yeah he um got a little bit um exuberant on the old throttle coming onto the main straight and um yeah had an off-track excursion and just uh, just swiped, swiped the wall. But uh, apparently there wasn't a lot of damage. So um, I think he might get his uh, might get in a little bit of strife, but it wasn't as bad as what people were thinking it was going to be. I mean, it's a yeah. pretty solid concrete wall there. So I think he, he was pretty lucky because he sort of hit it side on. Whereas if he went in on like a corner, I think he probably could have done a bit more damage. But um, yeah, he's just mucking around like, you know, mm -hmm. what, what can you say? When um, one of his best mates, Brody Kostecki, had had a great battle in the race and then after the race, they're mucking around doing burnouts and unfortunately just got away from him. Maybe, yeah, cool. uh, yeah there wasn't a lot said about that. But um, actually speaking about Brody, he did a great job too. 
Absolutely mm. great job on Sunday, especially. Um, those guys are going to be quick all year. He he looks really, really strong. Um, yep. And again, he you know, led part most of Sunday's race. You know, it's probably unlucky in a way not to win the race, um, but that's certainly uh, not far away for him. Maiden pole position right there in the championship hunt. Uh, yeah, a few things go their way during the year, mm. then uh, there's no reason why they can't be challenging. It's actually kind of exciting, I guess, that um, that it is. top little battle. We've got mm. quite a few contenders. Who knows and what's going to happen throughout the year? It's a bit of a new crop of drivers, I reckon. Like I know we saw them, you know, uh, near the front last year. You know, Will Brown and Brody and Anton, and you know, there's, there's all these sort of uh, I won't say newbies, but there's some fresh faces there at the front, and it's creating a lot of interest, a lot of hype. The, the vibe at Erebus is um, quite exciting. You know, they got Boost backing this year. Um, that team has really turned themselves around. I know we've spoken about it before, but they've continued on with that form. And, uh, you know, they're a place to be, you know, literally um, maybe two years ago, they weren't. Um, so to be able to turn that around is quite impressive. So, yeah, mm. they had a very good round, I reckon. I guess uh, we all sit back and watch with interest with this Erebus doco that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's coming up soon because there's a bit of hype about. Now, there's been two episodes already. Oh, okay. No, I need, need to, to watch some, it. I need to do some TiVo catch-up style. <laughs> But, oh, I've been um, watching a lot of TV lately, mate. A lot of TV <laughs> with this 75-incher. Oh, oh it was so very good. good. Very good. And you, did you get this TV on a deal or something? No. No, no. Steph, Steph actually bought it for me as oh, a bit of a nice. – she spoiled me. That's nice. How good. How good. So I guess uh, just uh, back to my point, the uh, we're, we're watching on with interest about how the – uh, this Erebus docker will uh, reveal the the split that came with David Reynolds and uh, and the team, uh, and apparently it's warts and all. So uh, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to that. We um, haven't got okay. to that bit yet. Cool. Only only two uh, episodes in. Good, good, because I haven't watched any of those, obviously. So I'm going to need to uh, need to do some catch up. Andrew Jansen will be most disappointed, executive producer of that uh, of what I have no doubt is a fine bit of um oh, it's it's very very good well very well produced hey well while we're talking about producers and tv producers and supercars and um nathan prendergast yeah gast gast pretty pronounced it prendergast mm. there you go well they don't what, talk, don't on talk to me about pronunciations of names because poor old uh ben binder uh i mispronounced his name in the moto gp report that i did for parked up plus i called him binder so, uh, for did he ring you up and Moto say GP slash uh, um, Ben Binder fans? I apologize. Oh, okay. So, anyway, so Nathan Prendergast is yes. he's the main man um, for the TV production side of things in supercars. What's going on? He's he's announced that he's leaving supercars. Yeah, yep. He's leaving. He's moving on. Uh, apparently, going over to do uh, some work overseas. So uh, you can only imagine that. I guess the uh, easy guess is that he's going to go stick with motorsport. You'd imagine that he's going to uh, obviously do something overseas, and that there's really. You know, not a great deal of categories he could go to um, uh, overseas other than like your Formula Ones or IndyCar mm-hmm. or maybe NASCAR potentially. So uh, a huge loss for supercars, not just because he's amazing at what he does and he's done it for so long and 
yeah, you know, extremely good at uh, at his craft, but also just a top bloke as well. Mm. Just someone mm. that you can easily catch up with in the paddock, and um, he'll uh, shoot shit with you. And it's a um, he's a, he's just a great lad. So, uh, so who takes over from us? Uh, I'm not sure. None of that was announced, and I guess we'll find out. Uh, we'll find out pretty soon. We'll see. We'll maybe get Fogs to to check it out, and um, he can ask the right questions to the right people. Get as an exclusive. I thought you were going to say we'll get Fogs to take over his position. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure if he's uh, quite uh, he's skilled, but he, I don't know if that's his uh, wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, let's just uh, rewind the clock a little bit. We uh, we spoke about some of the winners. Let's talk about some of the losers. Mm. from well, I did, Motorsport Park. I did talk about uh, our friend Nick Perkett. He yep. didn't have a great weekend. He would have expected to come out of the box really firing and prove a point, um, and it just didn't quite happen for him. And I think probably what made it a little bit worse, I think, is Heim Gardner had a very good weekend in his old car. Yeah. That sucks. That, that sucks. Yeah, and that was probably exactly where Nick might have run exactly around about. So, yeah, that that's a, a bit of pill to swallow. But uh, look, early days, and mm. Nick will be really encouraged. Very much so. Nick will be encouraged by the speed that uh, that Chaz showed. He'll be encouraged by the speed that that he had as well. So, yeah, I don't think we can uh, completely write off Nick just yet. Who else? Who else had a bit of a weekend they'd rather forget? Uh, Team 18, spring to mind. Yeah, i tell you what, actually, they, uh, Scotty Pye was looking good on Sunday, though. Mm. He was right in the mix. Uh, I think he was the, the, the lead driver on the Supersoft uh, in that last stint, or second last stint, uh, before it actually just rained. Um, but then they had a mechanical failure. So he was sort of right in the hunt to actually win the race. Um, Frosty got wiped out after the flag. I mean, yep. God, I mean, yep. that sucked. Yep. But he, he he had a reasonably strong weekend, I thought. Like, he he qualified reasonably well. Um, the racing probably didn't go to plan, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, they just seem to, they seem, if there was, if there was trouble about, they, uh, mm. they always seem to, to be a part of it. Um, yeah, Scotty Pye, you know, the, um, after Bathurst, he only, they only did three laps in that car. And then he was out after only a couple of laps with mechanical. So yeah, yeah, just a um, having a rough shocker. run. Had a shocker in the past couple, but um, yeah, as you say, it was good to see that he was riding contention at the end. But in another failure, um, cost them. So uh, they've they've they're probably around about where they kind of left parts mm, exactly. of last year yeah. anyway. So um, I reckon the Tickford boys would be a bit disappointed. Yeah, no, they did, they didn't really have a strong car at SMP, but it's just a bit of a a downer if you don't start a championship on the right foot. You know, like you you, you want to come out boxing and have some confidence and optimism about the year ahead. And it was a bit of a tough round for those guys, I thought. Yeah, Cam Waters had some glimpses of it, but of speed, but really didn't have enough pace to challenge enough. Mm. Uh, yeah, so where to, uh, where to from there for those guys, Cam is clearly their standout. Mm. Um, but some of those other, the, the, their other guys, the, uh, Thomas Randall, James Courtney, they're really going to need to take that, uh, take that little next step to help push Cam along, help push themselves along. Yeah. 
Um, okay, cool. MSR so, went all right, though. Yeah, they Manus, went, they went good. went all right. Yeah, I Those boys so. went all right. Yeah. They were right up uh, probably higher than what they were last year. Last year at Sydney Motorsport Park, they really struggled that round. Um, but their cars seem to be stronger. They seem to adapt to the conditions better than others. Their strategy was quite good as well. Um, you know, they, they, they tried to uh, pull a rabbit out of a hat at the end <laughs> of the second race. It. I thought you were going to end it with they tried. <laughs> they tried their very best. They, got they the, tried their very best. The participation award. No, they, they were literally in contention to win that second race if the conditions had played out where LeBrock stayed out on uh, his slicks, um, but unfortunately the weather just kept coming and he uh, aquaplaned off the track and unfortunately ended up in the in the grass. But um, I like how they they gave it a shot, and I think that's probably shows that they're pretty hungry to try and get a result and they'll they'll roll the dice if they need to. And um, yeah, it was a shame how it ended for them because they actually went um, they were quite strong all weekend. Mm. I like the look of those cars too. The the grey or silver with the uh, with the orange really uh, really stands out. Looks uh, looks classic. Looks fast. They they do look good on track. I reckon. Um, all right. I yeah. reckon we've spoken enough about supercars, but well, on track anyway. But we yeah. do need to talk about supercar awards. Ah, uh, yes, the, the supercar media, media awards. awards. Yes, we have Oops. to talk about this. So here we go. So uh, about uh, it was ten years ago. This was actually the tenth anniversary of the awards. And you won't be surprised, Tony, when I tell you that uh, I played a part in the creation of the awards uh, back in 2012. There was no real awards or nothing to really uh, celebrate the achievements of some of the people within the motorsport media industry. So there was a few of us who came together to put together a uh, an awards package for um, the the people who uh, do their bit behind the scenes in the media. They don't get recognised for it. That's right. So journalists for news stories, journalists for an overall yearly work, photographers for, you know, best photographer or, or photographer of the year, media managers of the year, um, do, you know, do videos you, you guys, and stuff. Do you guys get together like race drivers do? And, you know, like after a race, a lot of race drivers, they'll – they'll catch up and they'll basically talk shit about how brilliant they were. Like, did you see how fast I was or I did this sick drift or I broke so deep and I bombed him and I did this and that all crap. Really? Do you guys get together and go, Oh my God, I absolutely nailed that media release. Like Uh, I wrote the shit out of that media release. It was amazing. No, you wouldn't uh, necessarily say those (laughs) words, but uh, there are certain sections of the media who will give themselves a giant pat on the back, whether they've done something good or, uh, or not. Um, Whether if they did something good 10 years ago, they'll still be patting themselves on the back. (laughs) Don't you worry. Um, But uh, these uh, awards nights um, were effectively originally, I guess, were just to get people together uh have a little function celebrate it, the year it was and um you know hand out a couple of um dust collectors for the um for mm. the to so had we go toilet or something uh yeah parked up uh, i think we're still running we're, we're definitely mm. in contention for 2022 awards did That's, we get a mention we didn't even get a mention this year last year we got a mention yeah. last year i think we finished third We've actually fallen off the podium this time. How, did uh, that, is, how does that work? Well, it's so all of the uh, podcasts that operate in the supercars 
um, Australian motorsport scene are kind of put in there. And then there was a judging panel of three, an anonymous judging panel, and um, and they selected the winners. So that was the... So uh, who won our category? It was the Castrol News podcast with our good mate, Andrew Van Loon, uh and Stephen okay. Bartholomew, who is typically joining him. At the time, they'd only recorded nine episodes, of course, this nine. was for... The uh, for 2021. So um, I, I I smell a rat here. What do you th- you think the um, the the anonymous judges need an uppercut? Mm. Well, I think the anonymous judges will be AVL, <laughs> Stefan, yeah, and, and Aaron Noonan, Noonan who <laughs> owns the, yeah. um, the the pod. Unanimous. To, well, unanimous. to only do nine episodes, and you know. We've done a hundred episodes. How how can they be so far ahead of us and win best pod of the year when they've done nine episodes and have been going for about two months? I think those stats tell get us it. they're about eleven times better than what nah, what we nah. are. I don't believe it. It's, I've uh, listened to it. It's not. <laughs> I've listened to it, and like yeah, it. it's it's good. We love AVL. He's one of our regulars on this show, but was. Um, was yeah he doesn't come on anymore because he can't he's got a rival pod <laughs> but uh yeah to say that they're the best pod on the market at the moment geez i don't know about that mm, okay well anyway we should stop talking about uh, other uh podcasts um because um uh, yeah because then it might it may, might make people go and listen to those hey we've got enough podcasts going here with parked up we've got parked up plus we've got girls on the grid um, there might even be another Crikey. one coming soon too. So oh my god! Stand, oh my god. stand by Australia. Um, How are our numbers on Parked Up Plus this week? Amazing, world really? record. Well, yeah, they're good. They're very good. Well, I suppose it Thanks would be a world record because um, it's the first episode, so there's nothing to base it off. <laughs> hey, that was episode 100. Thank you very much. He's just yeah. slotted in and he's uh, doubling the Parked Up offering. Um, now, talking about uh, Parked Up Plus. Mark Fogarty, who uh, hosts that, he actually won an award at the Supercars Media Awards over the weekend. He got uh, Best Feature Story for a really in-depth uh, feature that he did with Roland Dane uh, for Wheels Magazine. Uh, it was an, an incredible story, very, very in-depth, uh, and Roland was at his forthright best. So uh, it's certainly one if you uh, if you go into your dentist at some point and you see that magazine floating around, make sure you pick that up uh, and have a read because um, Fogues really nailed it and deservedly won the feature story of the year. And our old mate Andrew Van Leeuwen also won best news story of the year for when oh he, when he won he, another one when he broke the David Reynolds vaccination saga that was unfolding during that SMSP number one which seems like a long time ago, but uh, it was only back in October or November or whatever it was. And Van Leeuwen won Journalist of the Year. So what? A, a huge Mate, scoop, come a on. Huge sweep for him. Huge come sweep. on. I'm not taking anything away from ABL, but come on. Too much? Too, Too much. much. Speed Cafe was the best new best uh, publication. Daniel Kalish won the uh, Photographer of the Year. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, he, was, he uh, deserves that. He one hundred percent deserves that. He is the best out there by an absolute country mile. Mm. Yep. No, he's very good. I mean, Horsburgh is not far off. I reckon. That's right. No, he's uh, he's very very good. Um, Mitch Robinson won the media manager. Uh, he's of course with Ticket Racing. Never heard of her. 
has <laughs> he's been there for he's been there for a few years um uh, absolute ace operator um okay we've got uh, we've got the great man mark fogarty in our corner now and we've got a couple of extended interviews that he captured while at sydney motorsport park um now the first that we're going to play now is with craig baird so as folks revealed in parked up plus sacked aussie f1 race director michael massey is soon going to come home tony d and consider his long-term future he's been negotiating his exit from the fia but won't accept a sideways move to f1 track safety delegate this is what folks is reporting in parked up and the fallout from the abu dhabi grand prix is going to impact race controls all around the world and create um, more scrutiny on decisions in supercars so Fogue spoke with uh, the DSA, Craig Baird from Supercars, about the repercussion of Massey's dumping. And uh, as usual, Bairdo did not hold back. Here's Fogues with Craig Baird. So Bairdo, the fallout from the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, has that put extra pressure on people in race control and the people who are making decisions during races elsewhere, including here in Australia? I think there's no doubt about that. It's mm. It's... You know, expose that everyone's vulnerable. Um, yeah, we've all discussed it and thought about it. And um, look, you know, uh, what happened? Look, no matter which way you look at it, Michael, it was a no-win situation. If hindsight's a wonderful thing, and people say, "Oh, we should have red flagged it. We would have had a five-lap dash to the finish." Well, that would have been unfair as well, because all of a sudden you've got a team that never chose to take tyres on had a, had a clear disadvantage tyre wise would have got a fresh set of tyres to run to the end so Red Bull would have screamed and shouted that that car shouldn't have had new tyres and, and if you go back to when we started racing the red flag used to be a red flag driver used to hop out, walk away, not touch the car mm -hmm. then you would continue the race that seems to have changed whether that's in Formula 1 or supercars I, we remember not long ago we had a red flag at Bathurst and people were changing wiring looms and drive shafts so that would have been an unfair scenario if it had stayed status quo they would have screamed and shouted that the leader always sort of loses out something under a safety car but then there wasn't a race to the checkered flag because the cars in the middle if you'd waved all the cars through you would never have got the race restarted. So no matter which way you look at it, some hats would have been happy and some hats would have been sad. I have no doubt that the natural winner of that race was Lewis Hamilton. But people and the leader of races have been screwed over by safety cars for years and years. Michael tried to get that race going and finish it under green. Yes, Lewis Hamilton lost out on that. But if you look at their strategy during the race, there was times under virtual safety cars they could have done different things. So we can all look at it in hindsight, but I guess to get back to the beginning of your question, do we not so much look at doing things differently, but how we stick within protocol or what's normal, or do we play, play the safe bet, red flag things early? We'll get abused for red flagging it early and giving someone an advantage. So. You guys in race control, you and your colleague, you're expecting to be under a, a bit more scrutiny in, say, supercars this year now. Not, 
To be honest, no, I'm not, because I've I, I, I feel uh, we, we play under a, a little bit of a different rule set. We've got even down to our driving code of conduct to our track limits. Track limits in Formula One just blows me away, and I've had so many chats with Michael on it. We are so far ahead of the rest of the world on track limits because we use a simple thing called a transponder, and we put timing loops in that instead of working for qualifying on the start-finish line, work on how wide you run off the track. And it triggers it, and in practice, and qualifying deletes your time, and in the race gives us a, a, a number um, to work with, whether you're in track limits or not. Why Formula One doesn't have that, I'll never know. And that was probably what triggered most of the problem in Formula One all year, it was one guy would pass and then all of a sudden, oh, he's outside track limits. Did he give the position back or did he give the gap back? And it comes back down to simple things like track limits. And Michael was a big part of all of that. Our rule book was written by, well, rewritten by Michael Massey. And we, and we can all abide by it. Look, we all hate rules, especially as a driver, when you do something wrong. And I was the first to argue it and say I, I was never wrong. But um, I think... Technology helps. Technology helps my job because with, with with a system where I can view any camera, I've got track limits. I've got so many things. Most of my drivers don't even come up for an... Their, their team may put something in and I'll ring another team or speak to them and they don't even come for the inquiry anymore. They go, yes, Bert, I know you got the footage or, yeah, if I was outside track limits. Don't even question it. So my job does get easier, and I think uh, we're a little different in supercars than the rest of the world. In Formula One, of course, the race director basically does your job, along with his own, in terms of identifying incidents that need to be referred to the stewards. Yes. Do you think Formula One needs to have an equivalent of you there, backing up the race Well, director? they do, because they always have a Thomas Christensen or Emanuele Pero or whatever. Yeah, but they're stewards. They're, he's a steward, but he's really there as a as a expert witness, I suppose you call. Mm. Um, I, I think on a worldwide stage, a DSA or a driver standards advisor um, maybe doesn't even... He, maybe he should be the stig. Maybe he shouldn't be named because if you're in Italy, you're scared to hop on a plane and get out of the airport. If you're in Holland, you're the same thing. Sure. So um, maybe we shouldn't even know who that person is, and you'd get a fear, a fairer assessment. Mm. You've worked here with Michael Massey, you know, up in the race control, and he, well, given what you know about him. Do you think he's been thrown under the bus? Absolutely. Absolutely he has. So he didn't do anything wrong. He is running that race as a race director, and he had the power to do what he did. Whether people like that or not, he didn't do anything outside what's legally available to him. The problem I have is if they want to tighten their rules up, give him a wingman. Give him support. Don't all of a sudden go, now we need two race directors, a hub in London of mm. ten people. with all Race control generally in most parts of the world is so far behind technically of the race teams how, how are they supposed to compete um, we are very lucky here because we have we have our systems are so I can just access immediately and I have the time to do it because I'm not Michael I'm not running the race so I can access live telemetry 
off Anton De Pasquale's car or Shane Van Gisbergen's car as they're out there. I can see if he's lifted the throttle, brake test, all this stuff, and it's available to me. But that's me as a driver. I'm, I'm the I'm the I'm the witness. I'm the expert witness, really, for the stewards. So I can be very open and honest with them, um, as I am with the drivers. And what people forget about my job, I am on the driver's side. I'm not there for a hanging. I don't want anyone penalised. But you can't have a game of rugby without the ref. Um, or you could, but it wouldn't last for very long and there wouldn't be many players left. And we thank Mark Fogarty for that chat with Craig Baird. Now, while Fogues was in Sydney, he uh, he was actually doing some work, which is fantastic, seeing as he's the new kid on our block. Uh, and um, he caught up with Ryan Walkinshaw. Of course, Chas Mostert won the Bathurst 1000. He's left Sydney Motorsport Park as the championship leader. And Mostert's big win in Sydney confirmed he will be a title contender as Walkinshaw United rebounds after a, uh, a few lean years. Um, you know, not where they used to be in those halcyon days of Mark Scaife and the, and the Holden Racing Team. So parked up plus his own Mark Fogarty. He spoke with WAU team boss Ryan Walkinshaw about the road to recovery. Ryan. 11 years after you took over the team from your dad, did you ever think it was going to be as difficult as it's become to, you know, to re-establish the team back at the top? Oh, that's a relatively tough question. Uh, at the time when I started, probably not. And, uh, you know, there's no, uh, there's no secret. It's been a tough journey for us. We've had a... We've had Plenty of uh, of kicks and um, you know a lot of challenges, but uh, yeah, I'm really really positive about where the team is at the moment. We've had a we're in our third year of a sort of three year plan of uh, you know bringing Chaz on board and bringing some additional engineering uh, resource on board. Invested heavily in the team, and um, you know the results are starting to show. You know, being involved in motorsport for a long time, there's no silver bullet. These things take take a long time to uh, to bear fruit um, but you know at the same time there's a lot of competition up and down pit lane and so it's always going to be difficult you know and anyone who's at the top is you know they've got to keep working just as hard as everyone else because um, you know if you uh, if you're a triple A's or a Penske you've been you know riding the wave of success uh, quite proficiently over the last few years you know even for them you know you've got to work very very hard to maintain your position in this category because it's so competitive so um, you know, we're, uh, we've got a really, really good team of, uh, of engineers and mechanics and we've got, you know, two great drivers and, um, you know, I think we're starting to believe in ourselves and uh, if we keep focusing on ourselves and trying to do the, all the small things right, then hopefully the results will keep coming. There's a lot of expectation now on the team, especially since Chaz won the Bathurst 1000. Is this moving year? Oh, look. We're not really looking at it like that, and again, you know, we always say you're only as good as your last race, and you know, it's always great to win Bathurst, but it's still just one race in the season. So, um, you know, we're not going to get too ahead of ourselves. Um, you know, we're under no illusions that uh, that there's going to be strong competition this year. Um, but, you know, our expectations for ourselves uh, are always going to be quite high um, because we've got high ambitions, and so we'll just keep focusing on what we need to do keep working hard and um, and keep focusing on ourselves and, and not what everyone else is doing but focus on what we want to do and uh, as I said hopefully then the results will, will follow yeah. no team in sport you know 
relies on one person actually but one person can make a big difference how much of a difference has Chaz made? Um, I think it's a combination of things because you know Chaz isn't a one man isn't a one man show you know he's a fantastic driver and in my opinion him and Shane are the two best drivers in the category at the moment um, and uh, you know Chaz's personality and reputation preceded him and he's, he's been you know if anything he's he's uh, He's over-delivered on what our expectations were on how he uh, how he acts within the team. Um, but you know he came with Adam DeBorey. Um, you know we've had Grant McPherson and, and Jeff Slater and now uh, Nick Perkhead as well. And so I think, uh, as you say, it's not one person; it's a team. And you know we really really focus on the on the on the, on the team aspect of that. And um, just like in an AFL team or a rugby team, um, you know it's not just one player or just one coach. It's uh, it's everyone behind the scenes, all working together, and uh, one person doesn't make all the difference. But um, you know, bring you know, lots of good people in, working together. That's what makes the difference, and you know, that's what we've been working to try and uh, try and create here at WAU over the last few years. But, I mean, he's a front, a proven front runner, so you know, he sets the tone, doesn't he? Uh, I think the team sets the tone, and, and I think you know, there's synergy between how we run our team and the character that we are um, and uh, and how Chaz uh, operates in himself and I think that's one of the things we've seen with Chaz he's, he seems very very happy in this team um, and he's just re-signed for a you know, long term deal with us as well and I think that's a testament to how comfortable he is and how much he believes in uh, in what we're doing and also how much we believe that he's a key part in, in you know what we hope will be our future success and it's going to be exciting to watch Nick Perkat back with you guys and you know finally finally hopefully ready to achieve his potential yeah I mean uh, we've been keeping track of Nick obviously for for many years and I think a lot of people don't, up and down pit lane if you speak to them um, you know they know that Nick has got some you know some really good talent behind him he's a good steerer um, he's matured and grown up a lot uh, over his time at BJR in particular and, uh, and his results have, have, have shown that and um, he's a very different person to what he was when he was with us and I think he'd also say our team is very different to what today than what it was when he was with us as well so we've changed and, and I think uh, in a strange way you know, moved away from what we were uh, when we were HRT into in my opinion a, a better uh, more cohesive and, and, uh, and, and um, I don't even know what the best word would be I think we're a uh, more tight knit operation. We're definitely a more tight knit operation, and I think we work together much more as a team as opposed to what we were previously. And, and Nick's already already mentioned that. So um, our expectations for Nick are always going to be quite high, and I think his expectations for himself are high as well. Sure. It's an opportunity for him to to prove to everyone else what uh, he thinks he's always been capable of. And our job is to give him the best car and resource behind him to give him the best opportunity to do that. And his job is to try and use what we give him to, uh, to maximise that opportunity, so we'll see. How big a difference, and what has been the difference, made by having Zach Brown and Michael Andretti on board the last few years? Uh, it's a good question because, you know, especially over the last couple of years, it's been, um, it's been difficult with COVID, they've not been able to even visit, so, um, you know, the, the, we work very closely with Michael and Zach, um, you know, they're both successful in their own right. Um, great characters and, and good leaders as well and um, you know the, the the way that myself Zach and, and Michael and, and our executive team here at, at, in, in WA work together has been really really positive um, 
we've got a great working relationship um, and uh, you know decisions we've been making so far over the last few years have uh, have in our opinion you know more often been not always been right but more often been right than wrong which is you know the first step in, in trying to get us to where we want to be mm -hmm. you're joining the supercars board as an observer but you're going to have a say in how the sport is being run have you got some big ideas about what needs to change uh, I think everyone in Teamland has got some big ideas on, on what we do right and what we do wrong I think we've got a fantastic category and I think it's easy to focus on on you know things that you know we may not do as, as well as we think we could do but you know when you look at what supercars is compared to other touring car categories around the world you know um, we do what we do very very well and um, I think we should be very proud of what supercars does here and how we've managed even how we manage COVID I think there's a lot of opportunity in the future um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth and um, I think you know exciting things like Gen 3 and so on at the start of that and I really look forward to being part of supporting the executive team and the rest of the board and representing the teams on uh, on how we're going to grow the sport going forward. And thank you again, folks, for that great chats. Tony D, how good is our life at the moment? We don't need to arrange yeah. any people <laughs> to talk to. We've got someone else doing the hard yards for us. Yeah, but I think we should still have uh, our mates on the show. Yeah, we I reckon we should still get our uh, our racing mates, uh, whoever we want to talk to each week. But, yeah, probably won't have to be as relevant. We can just say, hey, let's ring old mate up today and see what he's up to. I thought that's what we always did. That's what we did for 99 uh, we, episodes. We tried to make it, you know, relevant to a race meeting or a result or something like that. But, yeah, yeah maybe we can just be a bit more cash. Look, I don't the know. Thing, what, do you, what do you guys want? What do the listeners want? That's well, okay, yeah. Hey, tell us, please. We we want to know, and we're happy to uh, service our loyal listeners. Mm. Um, okay, look in in the um, in the next episode of Parked Up Plus, which comes out next Monday, there is even more news to come out of Supercars. Oof. He's um, he's been pounding the flesh and uh, getting lots and lots of scoops. His scoop trailer is full. And uh, there's uh, extended chats next week with Shane Howard and the head of motorsport, Adrian Burgess. And Ooh. you'll hear those revealing exchanges next week. Uh, Tony D, anything else before we sign off for 101? No, I don't think we've got anything more to add for this episode. We've probably rambled on enough, Grant. People probably just want us to wrap this show up. Mm. Um, but next week is round two of uh, the Speed Series mm -hmm. at Phillip Island. So TCR, Trans Am, S5000, Australian GT or Fanatec World Challenge by whatever it is. Um, yeah, I can't remember it all. Sorry. It's a bit <laughs> of a mouthful, that one. Um, what I'm getting at is we're going to preview uh, that event and uh, we should, get a, we should uh, maybe get a couple of drivers on the show, have a chat about the next round, see like who's it. hot. Who, who's going there with uh, guns blazing, trying to, uh, to win a round or uh, to improve on uh, Simmons' plane? So, yeah, lots to chat about there for next episode. Awesome. Um, now, just before we go, let me talk about Phillip Island with you. And this is going to be a, a, a double-edged sword. Mm. So I want to get some quotes from you for some of my uh, – for the TCR website. Okay. <laughs> and I want a little bit of a Tony, do it right D, now. a Tony D preview. And look, if I, uh, I'll interview you now and on the TCR website, you'll see uh, Tony D told parked up. Told oh, there's his, too, much, his own there's too much Tony D. 
on PCR apparently. <laughs> no, 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 no. Too much Tony. Not enough. Never enough in my eyes. Tony. Too Deagle, much Tony. What are you what are you thinking? What are you thinking what? ahead of Phillip Island? You're third in the series. You've shown good speed at Phillip Island in the past. Mm. Is this is this the round that you cross the line first oh, in a race? I hope so. And get your first ever TCR Australia win. You know, there's been 16 winners. You finished yeah, second like 80 times. <laughs> you yeah, haven't certainly, got a win certainly my time to shine. Um, look, Philip Island last year was good to us. We won the round on points, yep. but didn't win the race. Um, I'm pretty happy with how we rolled out at, Sim- at Simmons Plains. Um, that's given us good momentum. So I'm going there with a fair bit of confidence. I think we can do a good job. I'm hoping the the Honda will suit. I mean, it, it its strengths should suit Phillip Island better than what it did at Simmons Plains. Cool. So win by half a lap then. Is that what you're saying? We'll see. We'll see. The Audis were quick there last year. I reckon Jay Hansen's going to be quite quick in that new Audi. There's probably no doubt about that. And the Honda is always quick. So, yeah. Peugeot's were good there last year as well. But I, I think you really can't discount anybody, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be in the mix. Good. Um, just, uh, I don't want to harp on the fact that you haven't won a race, but does that oh, play you on are. you? Do you want, uh, how much do you, how much do you really want to put your name on that winner's list? Look, I'd really like to do it, um, because Honda have put a lot of faith in me, um, to represent their brand and I'd like nothing more than to stand on the top te- top step for them, give them something to really, uh, to really celebrate. So, um, yeah, I, I'd like to, I mean, it doesn't really play on my mind. I'm doing the best I can every race. Um, and if an opportunity comes up, we'll, we'll grab it. So, uh, we'll close at Simmons Plains. Um, and yeah, see how Phillip Island rolls out. I reckon, uh, that will be enough for me and my little team to create <laughs> a little new story for TCR. Australia. I forgot we were doing the an interview. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, uh, Tony D and our Parked Up followers, thank you very much for coming on and tuning in. And uh, the next time you'll hear from uh, Parked Up will be Monday afternoon with Mark Fogarty for Parked Up Plus. Tony D, go get it. See you later, mate. See you, mate. You've just listened to another Network Car production. 